Hello everyone, welcome to Narcissism Recovery Podcast, produced by the Magnolia Healing Center. I'm your host, Yitz Epstein. In this podcast, we will be delving into topics related to narcissistic abuse, codependency, childhood wounds, childhood trauma, mental illness, and all things narcissism. The purpose of this podcast is to bring widespread awareness and healing to the global epidemic of narcissism and codependency. It is my hopes that with this podcast, we can collectively create an environment of health and healing for you, the individual, and for the world at large. Let's begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, we're going to be discussing the role of grieving in healing. Now, grieving has been coming up a lot lately for myself and for my clients. So I wanted to do an episode to help clarify what grieving has to do with healing and what its role is on the healing journey. So grief is a natural response to loss. It's the emotional suffering that we feel when something or someone that we love has been taken away from us. So when we grieve, we are able to accept and make peace with our losses and integrate them into our lives in a meaningful way, in a way that enhances the way we live our lives. Now, the struggle with loss and, and death and, and uh, grieving, it's, there's a lot of pain to it. It's extremely difficult, the process of grieving, and this is for several, several different reasons. Firstly, loss is going to challenge what we know to be true and to be certain. In essence, it shakes the foundation of what we've come to believe is true and what we have relied upon, and in many instances, we've built our entire lives upon. So this breakdown of our core, of our foundation, can be extremely frightening because essentially it challenges the beliefs we have about ourselves, about others, about the world, and what we know is absolute truth. And this can be especially terrifying if we have, let's say, the abandonment wound or wounds of childhood, and we fear the present moment, we fear the unknown. You know, not knowing will leave us with these deep feelings of, of shame, let's say fear, anxiety, and, and feelings of loss of control. And this essentially, this experience of loss will rip open previous experiences of abandonment or loss in a very deep and real way. In addition, losses can be destabilizing to a person, especially if the loss was something that the individual was dependent on for survival. So when a person cannot hold themselves up, you know, they can't really necessarily hold their own, let's say they lack a differentiated sense of self, a loss in this instance can lead to a breakdown in the relationship to self. That core self, of, uh, like core ego strength is not necessarily there. And so the loss of this individual will therefore break down that relationship they have with themselves, which can make the loss even more difficult. And finally, a loss most often leaves a person with an existential crisis of asking why, why could such a thing happen? How did this happen? Why is this happening to me? And this sort of existential spiritual anguish can be very terrifying and extremely painful. And in many instances, it leads to addictions and soothing agents that aim to pacify this existential angst. And all of these could be harmful to the long-term health of the individual. So someone who is grieving and struggling with these uh, esoteric questions of why and uh, not necessarily getting the answer that can be extremely terrifying and lead to more anxiety. And that anxiety leads to soothing and ultimately uh, does not necessarily lead to the proper uh, closure, the proper healing. Now, it's extremely important to understand that there are several different reasons that we are grieving when we are healing. And it's not necessarily because there was a loss of a person, there was not necessarily a death. And it's for this reason that healing in many ways is very similar to grieving. And I would argue that in many ways it's, it's even synonymous. So when we are on the healing journey, we are essentially mourning the loss of the people who we will have to walk away from or set boundaries or set limits with who are not necessarily supporting our healing. 
you know, another way of putting this would be we're, we're mourning the release of people who are not necessarily mirroring our accurate sense of self. Let's say before they were mirroring our wounded self, but now we're becoming healthy and therefore they have to be released in order to get more accurate mirrors of where we're holding on our journey. Now, we are also mourning the loss of the identity or role that we had to adopt when we were living in fear and survival. So when you're living in fear, when you're being traumatized, you're not necessarily being your authentic self and that you oftentimes will take on a role in order to, to survive a role given by the, the perpetrator. Uh, but then when we are leaving, we have to, in essence, let that old role die and that loss can be, can be very uh, painful, it can be, in essence, a death. The next is that we are mourning the past self that we are outgrowing as we step into a healthier and more authentic self. So when you are healing, in essence, you are shedding layers and you're letting go of the person you were. The person you were was, was not necessarily, like we mentioned, the authentic self. That was more of a survival self. So when you let go of that past self and you're stepping into a new and more authentic self, that is part, that is in essence a loss and therefore we have to grieve. The next is we're mourning the lifestyle and the routines that, you know, they, although they might've been healthy and maybe even abusive, and maybe we were, we were in a relationship where we, we weren't being taken advantage of or, or exploited. Uh, nevertheless, this was the norm. So moving out of that is letting go of something that you were accustomed to and something that you were used to. And in essence, this is a sense of loss. And finally, when we are on the healing journey, we are most often mourning the loss of the hopes, the dreams, and the idea of what we thought our past was and what we hoped our future would be. So these are very real losses and very underrated because a lot of people think, okay, well, there wasn't a death. You know, if I'm walking away from a relationship, if the ending of a relationship happens, you know, in essence, nothing's really changed because we're just two people going our separate ways. But there are many different things that are subtle and very real when it comes to moving on after, uh, after trauma and abuse that we have to mourn if we are going to truly move on. So most of us are aware of the five stages of grief. This is the grief model created by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And, and her process, her model, uh, says that you have to go through these five emotions and when you process these five emotions, then ultimately you can move on. And they are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So the final stage of grieving is acceptance, which is, in essence, that's the goal of grieving. Uh, I refer to the stage as making peace with yourself or with one's past and by doing this, by doing acceptance, the, the, the grieving work and getting to the final stage of acceptance, you can truly move on. Now, without this grieving process, we are going to stay stuck. And this is something you see very often with trauma abuse victims describing feeling stuck in life without the ability to move on. And this is because they haven't necessarily gotten the closure on their past. And without getting closure, you cannot necessarily move forward. You have to end the last relationship if you wanna go into the new relationship. You have to kind of close the door on your old life if you wanna open the door to the new life. So grieving has a lot to do with gaining closure so we can finally move on. Now, in addition, trauma and abuse victims who are most usually living in fear and survival-based mindset will struggle to let go. And this is typically displayed in behaviors that are clingy or more attaching, right? This way of operating is very much a trauma response that is rooted in fear. So this, as opposed to connecting to others, which is healthy, which is interconnection, and that is rooted in love. So when we are operating out of fear and out of a survival-based existence, letting go, you know, moving on is very difficult because we are very much attaching to outcomes or attaching to the idea of people, right? the idea that childhood was different, the hopes that the parent will be loving and come along and apologize, right? the fantasy of someone coming to maybe save them, things like that. All of these, in essence, are uh, attaching and we're not necessarily letting go. In essence, we're in denial of the truth because we're holding on to the ideas or the fantasy or the hopes. And therefore, uh, when we do move through, through these resistances, 
instances as trauma victims, then we can finally let go and then reach that final stage of acceptance and gain that closure that I mentioned. Now, if you look at the grieving process, right, all the, all the emotions, all the stages, and you compare it to the healing journey or somebody on a healing journey from trauma and abuse, you'll see many similarities. So there's almost always going to be a sense of the first stage, which is denial, right? Denial, perhaps, of, of the truth of what happened, uh, denial of part of oneself that needs healing, uh, or perhaps even just a denial of what person experienced. And oftentimes, there's just an out, outright rejection that there was abuse and uh, mistreatment at all. So unfortunately, unless this denial is broken, there really is little hope of movement towards healing, resolution, and ultimately moving on. So we got to come out of that denial stage, but that is usually something that very often happens with abuse victims who are just in total shock of the things that they've experienced. They don't necessarily uh, have the skill set to accept it. So denial is usually going to be what happens with trauma and abuse victims. There will most usually be anger, right? The second stage is anger. And this is usually anger at the helplessness, let's say anger at the uh, unfairness of it all, the uh, to anger towards the perpetrator for exploiting them, uh, anger at oneself, let's say for not being able to fight back, uh, and maybe anger at God or source or whatever higher power for even allowing this to happen. So that's certainly something that is very common when it comes to abuse victims. The next is bargaining, right? Bargaining takes place within the mind. And what it is, is it's trying to explain that things could have been done differently or better. And this is where you'll see, let's say an abuse victim say, if only I didn't behave this way, I wouldn't have been exploited. Or if, if only I would have worked harder for approval, I wouldn't have been treated this way, right? So the goal of bargaining is to regain a semblance of control. Obviously, when you're being abused and you're being exploited, you are helpless and you're powerless. So this bargaining, in essence, is trying to balance that and trying to get your power uh, back, which is very common, seen oftentimes in, in trauma and abuse victims. And let's say the person, uh, if they're spiritual or religious, you'll see this very often, the bargaining may take place with their higher power or with God. They may say something like, you know, if I would have been more God-fearing or less selfish, I wouldn't have been punished, you know, in this way. And then the final stage is depression. Now, depression is is sense of helplessness and hopelessness regarding one's future. Right? In this stage of healing, you'll see victims very oftentimes turn on themselves in self-sabotaging behaviors, oftentimes blaming themselves, feeling very much uh, anger towards oneself. Right? Depression is anger turned inward. And oftentimes you'll see people in this stage develop a sense of apathy or carelessness about life. And often they'll want to uh, quit or God forbid at times even uh, want to commit, commit suicide. And really they just don't know how to get out of this stuck stage of, of apathy. And then the final stage is acceptance, right? Like we mentioned, acceptance essentially is the ability to let go of the reality that we wanted, that we thought it would be, and ultimately allowing the pathway that is unfolding to unfold. So when we are fighting with this reality, because the truth is too difficult to accept, this creates a battle of wills. This creates a conflict inwardly, you know, the will to keep things as they were before the trauma and abuse, and that that ultimately derailed our life and then the will of life which is to allow what was meant to happen to happen and, and in essence allow the, the flow of life to happen so we're in essence it's us against life and we're not accepting it we're fighting it and that just creates more and more chaos now the more that we fight to control and have life be on our terms the more chaos will exist in our life the less control we actually have when we do this and ultimately the less inner peace we're going to have so acceptance, which also includes letting go, you know, forgiveness, going with the flow of life is how we take our power back because there are things we cannot change by trying to change things we cannot change. We end up rendering ourselves more and more powerless. So when we work with life and with the forces that are in essence working with us to help us grieve and heal, we can ultimately integrate the past experiences in a way that they now have proper context and meaning in our lives. 
And when we do this, we aren't fighting with ourselves, we're not fighting with life, but rather we're at peace with what is. You know, we're inwardly balanced and we're in the flow of life. Now, this is very difficult. This is why there's a process and this is why there's stages that have to be gone through. Only once we do this can we truly move on, move past our hurts and traumas and create a future that we want. We cannot heal and change what we are not accepting, right? So in order to truly move on, we have to accept what is. So grieving is necessary. So we move through those stages and finally get to that final stage of acceptance. And that is really when we begin to, to move on and, and heal those past hurts and pains. Now, that being said, right, the stages are not necessarily linear and they do not necessarily apply to everyone. It's possible you can skip a stage. Um, many people will, let's say, pass uh, anger or depression. You may go through all the stages directly, right? Or you may, might go through, uh, let's say, straight to anger or bargaining and then back to denial. It's really based on each person's experiences of the trauma and how they process things through. Um, in addition, it really isn't about timing. You know, there's no time limit and there really is no deadline. So it's important to give yourself the grace and the time that you need to truly grieve. Now, like grieving an actual death, grieving the aforementioned losses is gonna take time. It's gonna take work. And it's important to be extremely gentle with yourself and not put pressure on yourself to move through the grieving process. You see this many, often, many times, very often you'll see victims just wanna get out of the pain, right? They wanna just be away from it, be done with it. But it really takes as long as it takes and while we want it to happen sooner, we need to, need to allow this process of grieving to occur in its time. Now, what we can do is we could give ourselves the environment. We can practice self-compassion and self-care, which facilitates this process, which, help, which helps it happen uh, as smoothly and as quickly as possible. And the quicker that we accept what is, right, the less that we fight and deny our present moment reality, the quicker we can move through these stages and gain the closure that we need to get unstuck and truly move on with our lives. Finally, you know, when it comes to anger, it is vital to not judge yourself for being angry. Uh, you're not an angry person. Uh, you're, not, you're not just in denial if you're stuck in this denial stage. These are very real uh, grieving stages that are natural. You know, specifically anger, it's a natural and necessary emo emotion that when moving through, the emotion essentially gets healed, it gets processed and balanced. You know, when we honor our anger, it could be used as fuel towards our will, right? And we become more of an assertive person. We become more present in our life. So anger is not a bad thing. Um, anger that is not processed and that gets stuffed down becomes depression, which shuts us down, or we become explosively rageful. In essence, we have not necessarily worked through our anger. So we can see how absolutely necessary the grieving process is when healing. You know, when we grieve, we can make peace with our past and we can move forward. You know, if we do not face our past and resolve, resolve old conflicts uh, and mourn the old losses, it will wreak havoc on every element of our life, specifically the intimate relationships, until we do this work. In essence, it's demanding our attention. And if we try to move forward, it'll keep dragging us back. It'll keep sabotaging everything because there's a part of us that is, in essence, still stuck in that process. So unless we go in there and we integrate that part of ourselves that's stuck in the loss, go through the grieving process and truly uh, integrate it and accept it, we, in essence, are still stuck. And this is why, by the way, you see a lot of people who have not grieved their childhoods are, in essence, still stuck in childhood, acting in childish and uh, childlike primitive ways. In essence, they have not gone through the stages. They have not integrated that part of themselves. And in essence, they have not grieved. So if you are struggling in this way, if this resonates with you and you feel like you are stuck in life, 
uh, it's super common. So it's important to understand that that is normal and to validate that and also have compassion on the fact that you may not necessarily know what it means to heal and what it means to grieve. So this is something that I work on very, very much so with my clients uh, and I worked on it myself. And this is something that I oftentimes revisit because there are parts of myself that are in essence in need of healing, in need of integration and in need of grieving. And so it's very normal and uh, very doable. But unless we do this work, unless we really have the awareness of what it means to do this work, then uh, we oftentimes feel stuck. So feel free to reach out to me directly. It'd be an honor to work with you and help you grieve, heal, and move past so we can create that life and of, of, of our dreams, life in the future that is balanced and one where we are present and one where we have made peace with our past so it doesn't continue to knock on our door and demand our attention. If you're interested in this healing process, feel free to reach out to me directly. My email is yitz, Y-I-T-Z, at magnoliahealingcenter.com. You can reach me by phone, 818-210-6049. Well, thank you all so much for joining me for today's episode. Until next time.